0: We are going to continue our series entitled, The Beatitudes, God's Unexpected Blessings, because the first word that Jesus spoke, the first word in the first sermon, the sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount, were not words of condemnation. Jesus did not say, hey, you guys better clean up your act. They weren't words of judgment. Hey, you guys are all going to hell. Jesus did not say words of rejection. Jesus spoke words of blessing. Jesus' first words in his first sermons were words of blessing. Jesus did not give us a new set of rules to follow in order to enter into God's good graces. He spoke words of happiness and blessing upon people that desperately needed it. You see, Christianity is often viewed as this religion with these rules or shoulds and nots, but that's not the, the truth. Christianity is this, this pathway of blessing, this way to experience God. So as we look at these Beatitudes, we see that Jesus blessed His people, and He continues to bless His people. In fact, the word in Greek is makurios, the word blessing, and it means blessing or happy or fortunate. It's this divine presence. It's like God saying, I am with you. I am for you. I am on your side. And Jesus didn't bless the people that we might expect. He didn't bless the healthy with health or the wealthy with wealth or the wise with wisdom. Jesus blessed the poor and the mourning and the hungry and the persecuted. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 3 we read this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed, blessed, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Jesus blessed the people. Jesus blessed. The unexpected, He blessed the poor, the spiritually empty, the mourning, the hungry, the persecuted. He said, those are the people I am with. I'm on your side. Those are the people that God is for. And last week, we looked at the first blessing. We learned that Jesus blessed the broken. Jesus blessed the spiritually bankrupt. Jesus blessed the ones who don't have it all together spiritually. Jesus didn't bless the spiritual rich. He didn't bless those that look like they have it all together. Jesus blessed the spiritually poor. The Greek word is tokas. Tokas is that word that describes the desperately poor. Those that are begging for bread. But it's not the physically poor, it's the spiritually poor. Those that know they need God. Those that know that they're begging for God to fill their need spiritually. And last week we reflected upon this blessing of brokenness, and when we looked at it as a way to experience God's power in our lives, and we admitted our own need for, for brokenness, and some of you came up to me throughout the week and said, I needed that, because I know that I'm broken and I experience God in my weakness and in my need for Him, and this week we're going to pick up the second beatitude, the second of eight beatitudes this week is, blessed are those who mourn. And once again, Jesus' words are a bit strange or a little bit odd. Jesus says, blessed or happy are the sad. And that's a little bit counterculture because sad are the sad and happy are the happy. But Jesus says, happy are the sad. Fortunate are the mourning. It's a little bit confusing. Jesus puts together these two opposite ends of the emotional spectrum. Happy or blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. In order to understand Jesus' words, in order to apply and experience God's blessing in our lives, we must understand the context for Jesus' words, the context for the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and as you know, the Beatitudes are found in Matthew chapter 5, and in Matthew chapter 4, we read the context for the words of Jesus, these words of blessing. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, I'd love for you to turn there if you haven't already in your Bibles, page 958 in your pew Bibles. The words will also be on the screen, but as you're turning to Matthew chapter 4, I just want to remind you of the context for Jesus' words. These are very difficult days for the people of God. The people of God are experiencing some significant suffering and oppression. There's political oppression. They're, they're under Roman rule, and Rome ruled with, a, with an iron fist, and they were longing for political freedom. But it wasn't just political oppression. It was um, economic oppression. These were tough economic times. People were, were, were praying for their daily bread. They, they were living one day at a time. There were tough physical needs, but there was also religious oppression. Because only those that kept the rules, only those that follow God's laws, only the very elite, the religious establishment, were in with God. They created this religious system that kept those that were out out and those that were clean in. It was a it was an oppressive religious establishment, and the people were longing for the Messiah to come. They were experiencing significant oppression, and they've listened to their parents and their grandparents and their great grandparents describe the Messiah. Describe the one that would come and take that which was wrong and make it right. They describe the one that would bring about hope and healing God's kingdom to earth. And they've been waiting, they've been watching, they've been praying, they've been dreaming about the Messiah. And in Matthew chapter 4, God brings His kingdom to earth. They get a glimpse of God's kingdom crashing into earth. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, we read this. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And news about him spread all over Syria, and the people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. And large crowds from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and the region across the Jordan followed him. This was a very exciting time in the ministry of Jesus. People were getting healed. The demon, demons were getting cast out of people. All the people with various diseases, even people paralyzed illnesses that modern medicine cannot heal today. Jesus healed them. And people started to gather People from all over the place, Judea, Jerusalem, Decapolis, some were Greek, some were Jews, some were clean, some were unclean, but all were longing to be free. All were longing to get under this oppression, get out from under this oppression and experience God's kingdom on earth, and they saw a glimpse of it. They experienced God's kingdom on earth. They were mesmerized by Jesus' power and authority, and they wanted more. They thought that Jesus could be the one, the Messiah. The Savior of the world and it's almost as if Jesus stops if only for a moment it's almost if Jesus pauses if only for a moment to say to his followers before you get all excited about my power before you get mesmerized by my healing before you you get all wound up and want me to be your political king let me tell you what my kingdom is about let me tell you who I am for let me tell you whose God is with. See, then Jesus announces these eight blessings, these eight words of blessing. And this morning, we're going to look at the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The the Greek word for mourning is penthos. Let me hear you say penthos. Panthos is this Greek word for mourning, and there are many others. In fact, there are eight other words that Jesus could have used to describe mourning. But panthos means external sorrow. It's not just feeling sad. Many of us feel sad, but it's expressing your sadness with tears or laments. It's getting out what's going on inside. It's an external expression of an inward reality. See, Jesus blessed those who get out what's going on inside. Jesus blessed those who don't pretend like they have it all together. Jesus blessed those who don't stuff their emotions, but they get out what's going on inside. They weep. They mourn. They have their tears. They grieve. They externally express what's going on inside. But most of us don't like to cry. Right? Most of us don't like to cry. We were taught that big boys don't cry. You know, we were taught to grin and bear it. Some of you remember that 70s song that went, you know, don't cry out loud, just keep it inside. You know, and learn how to hide your feelings. We not only sang that song, we lived that song out. We hid our feelings, we hid our, our pain, we learned to stuff our pain and put a smile on our face because most of us have a hard time letting out. What's going on inside, we avoid our tears. I mean, it ruins our mascara. You know, it's, it feels a little silly. It's uncomfortable. It's hard to let out what's going on inside. Most of us don't like to cry. I mean, we, we, we sweep it under the rug. We, we, we have a hard time expressing our pain. I was meeting with a friend from out of state uh, a couple of weeks ago. And she was describing some of the challenges she was facing in her life. She had some pain at home. She had some pain with a boyfriend. She had some pain at school and at work. And she was going through a difficult time. And, and if, you would li- if you would look at her, you wouldn't be able to see it. Uh, she looked great. She looked fine. She looked like everything was going her way. But when you asked a few more questions, she, you could tell that there was something wrong inside. And she said these words. She says, Chad, I have the hardest time expressing my pain. I just can't cry. I just can't get out what's going on inside. And she's not the only one. Many of us, if not most of us, have a hard time mourning. Many of us are sad, but but most of us have a hard time getting out what's going on inside. We don't like to cry. We don't like to show our emotions. We minimize the pain. And as I was Talking with this friend from out of state, I said, you know what, you don't have to share your pain. You know, you can just you know, put on a smiley face, you can keep it all inside, and you can just pretend like everything's okay, and you can live a plastic life. I mean, that is an option. You can just stuff the emotions, you can just hide your pain, you can pretend like everything's okay, but eventually that's going to catch up to you. Eventually, the, the pain inside your soul is going to come out sideways. Eventually, you'll have this crushing of your spirit. And, and, and eventually you could experience what David did in Psalm 32.3 when he wrote this. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long. He says, you can stuff your, your pain. You can pretend like everything's okay. You can slap a smile on your face. You can keep silent. But eventually you're going to waste away. You're going to experience the this, this suffering of your soul. So you can do that. Or you can let out what's going on. Inside. You see, many people are sad. But not everyone mourns. See, many people feel great pain. Many people feel great loss, but not everyone mourns. Not everyone lets out what's going on inside. Not everyone learns how to lament. A friend of mine started a ministry entitled "Word Made Flesh," and he has missionaries all over the planet. And one of the missionaries, part of his organization, is in Sierra Leone, and he's doing ministry there. And he has—he's uh, uh, in his late 20s. And as he was doing ministry there, he met a woman. He asked her to marry her, and he was going to get married. And she got sick. And she got really sick, and although she was relatively healthy at this point, he received a phone call during the night, and he says, I'm sorry, the person on the other line said, I'm sorry to hear about your fiancé's passing. And he was like, what are you talking about? I just saw her yesterday, she's doing fine. But his waking up in the middle of the night became his reality. And she passed away, his fiancé, unexpectedly. And, and he wrote in this article, Learning to Lament, He says, I grew up and I didn't know how to share my pain. I didn't know how to get out what was going on inside. I I never learned how to cry. I was brought up, big boys don't cry. I I didn't know how to express my pain. And in this article that he wrote called Learning to Lament, he described this process of trying to learn how to cry. Because most of us don't like that. Most of us grew up just to kind of stuff it or or it's not really adequate or acceptable in our culture. It's hard to feel vulnerable. It feels silly. It feels out of control. We don't like it. Most of us have a hard time letting what's going on inside out. And most of us don't know how exactly to comfort others who are in pain. And most of us, for me in particular, as I see someone crying, or maybe as you see someone crying, I try to fix the problem. I say, hey, what's the matter? Or why are you crying? Or what's the problem? Or how can I fix the issue that you're facing? But the reality is maybe there isn't a problem. I mean, maybe there's nothing wrong with crying. Maybe tears are part of the solution. Maybe the best thing that we can do when we feel pain is to cry. To let out what's going on. Inside, See, maybe Jesus' words are true. That blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who let out what's going on inside because then you experience God's comfort, God's presence in your life. See, the very thing that we avoid, the very thing that we don't like to do, the very thing that we have a hard time helping other people to do is the very thing we need to do to experience God's blessing, God's comfort in our lives. Have you ever heard the phrase, I had a good cry? Anybody here ever heard that phrase before? I had a good cry. Anybody ever have one of those? This this good cry. You know, I just had to have this good cry. I just had to have this time to let out what was going on inside. I had my first good cry when I was in college. It it took a little while for me to let out what was going on inside. I had some pain in in the growing up years. Not unusual for some of us, but I grew up in a dysfunctional family. There was some alcoholism and there was some abuse from people outside the family. And there was some pain inside my soul that I was not letting out. I grew up thinking those words were true. Big boys don't cry. So I stuffed it. I held it in. It kind of came out sideways here and there. But one day, it came out. And I was in college, and I was during a, it was during one of the breaks, one of the winter breaks, and I was spending some time in prayer. And I was reflecting upon some of the pain through my, my childhood with, with parents and with some other people. And all of a sudden, it just started to trickle out. And I started to cry. And I cried some more. And and, and and it just started to come out. And these tears started to roll down my cheeks. And then I was, as I was crying, I was looking through the scriptures for maybe somehow God would have a word for me. Somehow God would comfort me. And I came across this passage in Hebrews twelve ten. It says this, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good. And that passage spoke to me. That my parents did as best they could. And, 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 and yet now God comforts, God disciplines, God draws, grows me up in His ways from here on out. And it was during that time of mourning, during that time of hearing from God, that I was able to let go of some of that pain and experience God's presence in my life. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who get out what's going on inside. Blessed are those who have a good cry. Who get out what's going on inside. Because then and only then will you experience God's comfort, God's presence. In your life. See, college was the first time I had a good cry, but it's not the last time. Since that time, I've had a lot of good cries. And, you know, some of the things related to my children when my daughter was going through cancer, there were some tears that needed to come out. Some of the professional experiences that I've had caused some pain. Some tears needed to come out. See, I've had multiple good cries along the way, but my most recent one was just last week. Last week I was driving along in my car going to a meeting down in Minneapolis. And uh, it was a meeting that I had planned for over a month. And it was an important meeting. It was about 7 in the morning that I received a phone call. And the phone call came from a staff member here at church. And the person described that one of our congregants had passed away, or was just about to pass away. She had a, a, uh, her, her, a second stroke. And, and, and Sandy Lined was on her deathbed, and she needed some comfort she needed a pastor to come and talk with her or to pray with her and to, and to meet with the family and process what was going on. And as I heard these words, I immediately turned around from my meeting and I started going up to the hospital. And as I was driving there, I, I, I felt this pain that, that, that she was going to, to leave this, this earth and, and, and that her family were, were making some very difficult decisions and I felt the pain of the family and the friends and the church and I started to cry. Just had this little time of mourning. It wasn't a lot of tears, but just tears just started. Was, oh, that hurts. That's just, that's just hard. That, 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 that's just painful. And as I let that in, I experienced God's peace, God's presence. Because the words of Scripture are, too, God is close to the brokenhearted. God blesses those who mourn. And when we let out, when we experience pain and we let it out, God's peace God's presence comes upon us. Have you had a good cry? As you think upon your life, as you think upon your recent days or previous days, have you had those moments in your life where you experienced mourning? You weren't just sad because most of us are sad sometimes, but you let your sadness turn to mourning and you experience God's comfort. Have you had a good cry? Have you had this time of mourning in your life? Because God's word are true. Jesus' words are true. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And the very thing that we have a hard time doing, the very thing that we try to avoid, is the very thing that we all need to experience God's presence in our lives. Do you remember what Abraham did when he lost his wife, Sarah? Sarah? I mean, after living years together, after traveling many miles together, after raising up children at the age of 127 when his wife, Sarah, passed away. Do you remember what Abraham did in Genesis chapter 23, verse 1? We read this. Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died at Kiritharba, Arba, that's Hebron, and in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went to mourn for Sarah, and he wept over her. He bent fast. He he let out what was going on inside. He wept. He mourned. He externally expressed what was going on inside. And he experienced God's presence. Do you remember what Jesus did when he lost his friend Lazarus? The Bible describes Lazarus as one of Jesus' Jesus' friends. Ones that he loved. And, And when he got sick and then passed away, do you remember what Jesus did? He wept. He mourned. Jesus wept and jesus even knew that god was going to raise lazarus from the grave and yet he's still in this point of sadness he mourned and those that watched him said oh he he loved lazarus oh how he loved him because when you lose someone you love you mourn you weep and that's what jesus did that's what abraham did. do you remember what paul said to timothy when Timothy was going through a difficult time, Timothy, his, his young man in this faith, the, the, this, this, this man that Paul would love and grow up in the, in the faith, Timothy was discouraged. Timothy was lonely. And Paul didn't say, Hey Timothy, hey, you know, just, just pull up yourselves from the bootstraps. You know Just pull yourself up. He didn't say, just grin and bear it. These are the words that Paul said to Thim, Timothy in his time of pain. He says this, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did. With a clear conscience as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears. Remembering your pain. Remembering your tears. I long to see you so that I might be filled with joy. I remember your pain. I remember your sadness. I'm aware of your frustration, your loneliness, your discouragement. I am with you. See, that's what you do with those that are in pain. You say, I am with you. I am for you. You say, I am on your side. I'm aware of your suffering. I am with you in the midst of your pain. See, suffering is not something to be avoided. Suffering is something at a time to be embraced because it's in those moments that we experience God's presence in our lives. Remember what David did? David, this man after God's own heart. David, the guy in this point of his life, he's running for his life. You know, people are out to get him. He's already been anointed king. And now he's running for his life. And he's pouring out his heart to God. He's journaling his thoughts and his prayers to God. And in Psalm 42, we read this. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go to meet with God? He's longing. He's thirsting. The pain in his life is causing this this desire to meet with God. I love this in verse 3. It says, my tears have been my food. Day and night I'm just eating tears. While men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. He's journaling. He's pouring out his soul. He's externally expressing what's going on inside. He says this, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. He says, I used to sing songs of thanksgiving. I used to lead people in worship and praise. I used to have this time of shouts of joy, but now at this point in my journey, I'm crying. My tears are my food. I'm lamenting. I'm sad. I'm getting out what's going on inside. See, God is close to the brokenhearted. The very thing we don't do well or have a hard time doing is the very thing we need to do to experience God's presence in our lives. Is to mourn. It's to let out what's going on inside. Because many of us are sad, but not many of us learn how to mourn. Earlier this morning, I mentioned this friend, from out of state, who has this inability to cry. She just has a hard time getting out what's going on inside. She just says, you know, I don't cry. I don't like to cry. You know, it's my mascara. You know, I feel silly, out of control. I don't like it. I says, you know, you, could, you don't have to. You can stay in that, that, that place. You can be sad but never learn to mourn, or you can do what David did. And you can journal. In fact, she, she, she's a person that does enjoy journaling. I says, why don't you list out the things that make you sad? Just list out these five things that make you sad. And then after you write those things out, speak them back to God. Not only write them out, but then speak them out. And then maybe speak them to a friend or to a pastor or to someone that you trust. And let out what's going on inside because then and only then will you be comforted by God when you let out what's going on inside. And so she and I were talking during this time and, and she started, she says, yeah, I think I can do that. And she actually started listing out some of the things that make her sad. And as she was describing these things, you know what happened? She started to cry. And as she was crying, she started to smile. And then she said these words. I can't believe it. I'm crying and smiling at the same time. Said, that's it. That, that's what Jesus Is saying to us, that's God's blessing. Happy are the sad. Blessed are the mourning. Fortunate are the ones who let out what's going on inside. Because when we do that, we experience God's presence in our lives. We experience God's comfort in our lives. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but one of the things I've noticed about the people that know how to cry The people that cry the most for the most part are the ones that laugh the hardest. The people that are in touch with their emotional pain are usually the ones that are in touch with the emotional joy. The ones that cry the hardest are usually the ones that laugh the hardest. Usually the ones that um, let out what's going on inside are usually the ones that are most alive. They're most free. Usually the ones that you know, understand the full range of emotions that are a gift from God. Are usually the ones that are most alive in Christ. Isn't that who you want to be? Isn't that what, what I want to be? What you want to be is to be alive. See, this is Jesus' blessing. This is Jesus' invitation to all of us who have a difficult time, all of us that are sad, all of us who are in pain, any of you that might be suffering, Jesus' words to you this morning are this, blessed are you if you are in pain. Blessed are you if you are mourning. Blessed are you if you are sad. Because in those moments of sadness, if you let out what's going on inside, you will experience God's presence, God's blessing, God's peace upon you. See, what Jesus said to this crowd 2,000 years ago is the same thing He says to us. This crowd that was under oppression, this crowd that could barely find food, this crowd that was in, in severe pain, He says, God is with you. God is on your side. And for any of you who may be suffering, any of you who may be sad, any of you who might be feeling uh, the weight of other people's pain, and it crushes you, God's word to you this morning is you're blessed. You're blessed. Blessed are those who mourn, who get out what's going on inside, because when you do that, God's peace, God's Presence, God's comfort is upon you. As the worship band comes up, I just want to ask you a few questions to reflect upon, and then close our time in prayer. And the questions that I love for you to reflect upon are simply this. You can write these down, you can talk about these in your community group. You can just think about these in your own time of journaling. But when was the last time you had a good cry? When was this last time that you were able to let out what was going on inside? When was the last time you had a good cry? And the second one is this. Are you sad but unable to mourn? Is there something sad inside your soul? Is there something that causes you grief or pain? And are you unable to mourn? And the last one would be simply this. Would you be willing to let out what's going on inside and experience God's comfort? Now, the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter, and He comes to each one of us in the midst of our pain effects. That's where He shows up the most. That's when we're mourning, and when we're in pain. That's when God's comfort is experienced the most, when we are most in need of it. God, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you for your blessing. This blessing, 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 blessing. this These waves of blessing, these unexpected blessings that pour over us as your people. Blessed are those that are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Oh man, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And Father, as we read your word, as we hear your blessing, I pray that we would experience that blessing anew this morning. For I know that many of us here today are in pain. Many of us here today are mourning the loss of a friend or a family member. And we need your blessing. We need your comfort. And we need you to tell us that you're on our side. That you're with us. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what only you can do. And that's to comfort those who mourn. And that we would experience your kingdom anew here, this day, in Jesus' name. Amen.